Welcome to the Night Journal Podcast. My name is James Noka, and we're here with Kyle Versteeg for an evening of Knife Desire. Take it off. Baby, take it off. I want you the way you came into the world. I don't want to feel no clothes. I don't want to see no panties. And take on that museum, my dear. Everybody's gone. We take the receiver off the phone. Because maybe you and me, <laughs> this night, we're going to get it on. <laughs> Hot <laughs> night Hot action. <laughs> hey, how you doing today? I can almost hear the saxophone playing right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Some cool jazz. <laughs> Smooth. Yeah, that's right, baby. <laughs> I had my hollering voice on. I had been hollering for the last couple days. Oh, at the TV set. <laughs> you know that that thing that that doesn't fight back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just been like we got. <laughs> it's, you know, the funny part is, you can't actually make this up. What what's going on today, you cannot make up. Nobody would believe it. No, I know. <laughs> Before we get into that, uh, what what knife stuff do you have? I have a couple things. I actually have several things. All right. Um. I actually have several things. I want to know what kind of knife you use to cut your liver sausage. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but besides that, we got uh, we got survival weather going on up here. Yeah, you're in that weird zone where it's freezing you know, at got, night and sloshy during the day. They got eleven. 11 inches of snow in Gaylord yesterday. Nice. That's hot. Can you believe it? 11 inches. Well, they're in that band that our uh-huh. friend lived in. They always Lake used of... to get killed. Yep, yep. There's a band that runs like through Cadillac and over to Gaylord, that corridor there that just oh, they always just get murdered with snow. Yeah, they got it's like a they've got an elevation thing going on and then they've got uh it's like the second dump of the lake effect. Yeah, is what what seems to be what seems to be going on. We got an inch, <sighs> but it it was gone by late morning. Yeah. Yeah. Monday, I have to get my snow tires put on. Would you? What kind did you get? Would you get? Well, you I, know? I I always have the same snow tires. I I have the Bridgestone Blizzax, 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I bought the car, I just bought a set, and I just keep those on the rims and then uh, swap them out as appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those are great. Um, trying to think. Yeah, we it's it's been a little weird down here. Like it'll cool off at night and then it warms up pretty well during the day. I think we're headed into some serious weather here before too long. Kind of feels that way, kind of ominous. So, <laughs> so, okay. So the some of the knife stuff that's going on, it seems like I'm gonna guess that it has a lot to do with COVID. We're seeing we're seeing a fair amount of like weird knives being designed and sold. I oddball stuff that. Yeah, I I guess nobody's really had a chance to get out and check it out and test it because some of the stuff that I'm seeing is, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into yeah, you a lot don't want to, but don't want to single but, anybody out, but right, but a lot of it seems to be, I, I don't know, just stuff that's I, I I don't see a lot of use for. Yes. Um, yeah. But but some of the other like the some of the other knives that are coming out seem to be throwbacks to the forties. So it's either it's either on either extreme. It's either weird and whacked out or retro back to the forties and fifties. Um you know, back to stack leather handles, back to blood grooves, back to uh, you know, reminiscent of world war ii knives and uh i find that i find that fascinating it's it's like the like we know that these sell they sold as cheap production knives and if we make one as a uh a really nice semi-production custom slash thing they're gonna go crazy people are gonna go crazy over them and they do yeah, well, it's like your canoe knife. People are still pining away for another release of that. And every time I've made anything with a stack leather handle and an antler pommel, it's it's gone in seconds. People love yeah. those knives, if especially yeah. you know if they're handmade and they look nice. You know, I've I've never had a, a second's worth of problem selling one of those. Yeah, it's. And I think that that I think that that has. Um, I mean, but the in the folder in the folder realm, it seems like that's like where the again, either really nice traditional slip joint pocket knives or some weird karambit flipper yeah. thingy. Yeah. So I for for stuff I always check on knifecenter.com their new arrivals section. Uh-huh. And like like you said, a lot of the stuff on there is just bizarre looking stuff. It a lot of the folders are things that are frankly like you could take shit that Balzano was doing seven or eight years ago and now everybody has kind of adopted that look with the mm-hmm. with the true arcs and things like that and a lot of those folders are just straight up straight up something that Balzano would have designed back in the day and now people are putting things like that into production because they are sharp looking knives but um, so that that was like most of what was on there, and then the case knives. So like the I saw told you about those Tony Bowes ones that I saw. Yep. 
Yeah, but they but they're also doing uh, they're also stepping back into the modern style folder too. Yeah, they have um, a few of those, but yeah, yeah, but their their traditional stuff is still going really strong. I, a while ago, there was I think there was a weren't we listening to a podcast that was just went absolutely apeshit crazy about slip joints for a while. I yep. think we've talked about them on here before, like slip, yep, slip yep. joint addicts or something. Yep. And those guys were way ahead of their time because back when they were doing that, like everybody was into like survival knives and these tactical folders and blah, blah, blah. And they, they were, you know, saying, well, Oh my know, God, this a, case knife is so hot. You know, we had a, uh, when I, when I had knife forums, we had a, um, I'm trying to think of what that forum was called. And it was all about slip joints, and it was way ahead of of the curve when it came to the comeback of slip joints. Yeah. Um, it's like the slip joint lounge or something like that. that yeah, I remember that. It. Yeah, because I, I used to look at that, and there there yep. was always... And, you know, the, the, the thing I would say that's really changed in that market is there's always been the companies that make slip joints, like Old Timer and Case right. and other things. But, like, now you have, like, really high-end, very talented custom makers making them. Right. And it's right. not just one or two, because back in the day, there were, like, one or two guys that you could get, like, a really nice custom slip yep. joint from. Now it's, like, tons and tons of people, and they're all making really good stuff. Yep. Um, so... You know that's that's kind of a big difference between and, it, and now it's hard. And it's hard to make a it's yeah. hard to make a good slip joint knife. I, I'm not messing with it. I I mean I I I suppose I could if I bought a mill, uh, like a bench top mill, um, but I'd have to learn how to use it <laughs> and then fiddle with it because <laughs> there's, all, a, there's always that. Right. Well, <laughs> th I mean I could learn how to use it. That's not an issue. It's just you know there's there's a I'd have to tool up to do it, and I'd, I'd actually have to learn how to make a slip joint, which who's going to teach me that, you know? And, and that's kind of one of my things is, like, I I, seen, I don't want to do I, it half-assed. I want to do it all the way, you know? You know, I haven't I haven't seen a – I mean, I see a lot of, uh, of, of um, bladesmiths that will do hammer-ins, and they'll do, you know, come – come visit me and I'll teach you how to make a knife and yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, we have a gentleman in Mackinac City that was on Forge with Fire. He's got a little shop up there that you can go in there and make a knife with him, mm -hmm. which is which is kind of cool. Uh, but you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of traditional pocket knife people offering classes like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just don't. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's that, a few that of them I, that, that do, I recall but... seeing. That I recall seeing, but and it's kind of funny because I, like I said, every every one of those guys that makes those that's that I know that makes knives like that are great human beings. Yeah, They're super super nice guys. Yeah, and uh, and so I don't I don't know why they don't do that. You know, Mike Mike does his grind ins. They're real popular. A lot of. Uh, like I said, a lot of bladesmiths are they do hammer ins. Yeah. Um, and they're real popular. They tend to be real popular, but but I never see that I can recall. I don't recall ever seeing one of those with that are, you know, pocket knife guys that are doing pocket knives. I think I saw something one time where somebody was making pocket knives, but I think it was just a one off thing. Uh, it's it seems like it's more involved, and it seems like a lot of people are buying like 
kits to do it yeah. and then just making the scales. But that's not how I'd want to do it. Like if I was going to do it, I'd want to make it a hundred percent, you know, myself from scratch. And like, until I figure that out, I really don't want to mess with it. Um, right. I, there's, it, you know, there's no mic in the, in the, in the folder world to teach me how to do that. You know, right. Right. Like if, right. if I hadn't gone to that, uh, um, grind in. Yeah. If I hadn't gone to that, there's, there's no, uh, no, no way I'd know anything about doing it, you know, but there's no grind in version of a pocket knife because I mean, can all the moving parts and stuff and I mean, there's a lot of hand fitting that goes on. You, you remember when right. we were up there and they were making those um, balisong knives. Right. And the guy was sitting there with thousand grit sandpaper and spending right. four hours getting it yeah. right. Trying to get it right. Yeah. You know, and like taking calipers out and like sat there for four well, even... hours with thousand grit sandpaper getting one knife right. Right. You know? Well, even, even uh, liner locks are that's not an easy knife to put together no you know those folding knives that are uh the only ones that are real easy i see to put together would be like uh what the hell i can't think of the name of it where they they've got like a a clasp knife i guess they call it yeah i made a i took the tine of a deer antler and i made something like that but that's i mean that's nothing i would ever sell because it's it's really crude and you know what they do sell yeah, I know, but I wouldn't sell them because those, those are actually uh, pretty popular. Yeah, uh, in a lot of places. Um, uh, I don't know why, but well, I I wouldn't sell it um, just because it's it's not maybe, up to my standards. You know? Maybe because you don't have to put it in a sheath and you can not worry about it cutting through your pants carrying. Yeah, and they're they're kind of neat. They're kind of unique. Yeah. I'll I'll give them that. And that it I is think, kind of a pain to make them, but it's nothing I would sell. I just I'm just not confident in the quality of what I made there. A few years so. back there was a there was a big deal about uh one company that was making them and a lot of outdoor guys were going crazy over them. And I cannot think of the name of it. They were, I think they were called troll knives or something like that. Okay. Uh, hmm. No. Nope. Anyway. So, but that's a, you know, that's like a, like a frontiersman type knife would. Guys, are, you know, the guys that are reenacting stuff, they, they go for that. Yeah. Yeah, those, those big, uh frontier looking knives big ass bowie knives with antler handles you you can if you can make make that and have the quality be good with you know a guard on there that you made yourself everything is soldered everything is perfect the fit and finish is awesome like you can sell those all day long right and the they're beautiful knives and they're a pleasure to make um i speaking of which i my stuff needs to get here so I can set my shop back up. You you still don't have that yet? No, it's on a truck. It's coming. Was it on a on a on a uh like a, is it a in, big is it a container ship? Is it nah, on a container ship? It's in a big U-Haul right now. Co- coming across uh Lake Michigan. What what they're out, waiting out. Yeah, what they're waiting for is a um another mo- the moving company is waiting for another move to Michigan and 
they're supposed to be here sometime in the next few days, but they said that like a week ago. <laughs> um, the other thing that was supposed to be here like a week ago was my Henry rifle. <laughs> it's not here yet. No, so I called the, the store yesterday in San Antonio, and I'm like, hey, George, you remember I came in and bought that Henry with the moose on it? He's like, yeah, yeah, that thing's beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, um, when are you going to send that? He's like, well, you didn't send me your FFL stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I sent you an email with uh, just reminding you that the shop was going to send you that. And he's like, oh, I see it now. So he's going to send it. No harm done. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that'll be coming. I have 400 rounds of ammo for it. Wow. I only have 100 for the 3030. I need to get some wow. more of that. Wow. Yeah. Where are you buying, where are you buying ammo at right now? Online. Bitching. Online. That's the only way you can get it. Um the, the shop I went to, I tried to order it from my local shop, and he's like, we, we can't get it. We don't have a supplier for anything like that. Um, none of their distributors have it in stock. So, you know, I'm, I always try to get it locally, but if I can't and I need it, then I'm going to get it one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the local guy, I think I'm going to – I need to ask your um, your opinion on a couple things. Okay. So I think I'm going to buy – uh, Remington 700 and mm-hmm. 30-06 um, mm-hmm. with a swivel so I can put a sling on it. This is for our, our mule deer or elk hunt next mm-hmm. year. So mm-hmm. optics. Um, like I kind of want something with hash marks on it so that I can work with the thing at different ranges and kind of figure right. out what this hash mark means at 300 yards. and Right. Because right. a lot of those shots, your mom was saying she used to shoot them like mountaintop to mountaintop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Minim- so those the are, minimum, the yeah. minimum shot was always about 350 yards, and a lot of them were like five, 600 yards. Yeah, so you're going to have to you're gonna have to compensate for elevation, and depending on where it is, also windage. Yeah. So so, so the new, the new uh, more modern optics – you can have a uh, basically it's a it's a uh, bullet drop compensator, but it's it's you have to sight it in for a particular yeah usually um, two hundred yards you sight it in at, and then each hash is a hundred well yards beyond what, that. What I right? did with my what I did with my rifle is um, I sighted it in at twenty five yards, fifty yards, seventy five yards, a hundred yards. 150 yards, 200, 250, 300, all the way out to 800 yards. Yeah. And um, every every one of those I sighted in with my um, there's a there's a knob on the side of my scope that's for for uh, minute ranging. of ang- yeah minute of angle or whatever yep, that's called. Yep. And so you count how many clicks up and down. And I so see. On my, yeah. On my. Uh, On the side of my rifle, I I taped a uh, piece of paper on the buttstock so I can look at it. Once I'm ranged, I can say, okay, it's 12 clicks up mm-hmm. or 20 clicks up or 8 clicks down, mm-hmm. and then you're good to go. So, I mean, Leopold makes a good scope like that that you can get it like in a 3 to 9 or a, or a 4 to 10, yeah. you know, um, 
that they work real well like that. Um, yeah, so I have the, for my varmint rifle, I have the Leupold VX3. Right. And that, that has the hashes on there. Uh, is that 4 by 12? No, what, it's, what to, it? it's to um, 22. It's like something to 22. 6 by 22 or something? Yeah, and it's, uh, but the, um, the, uh, um, you sight, so it's for small caliber. So your um, your two oh nine, your two twenty three, your twenty two two fifty, like that. And then uh, typically with that for varmint hunting, you sight it in at two hundred yards because it'll be flat out to two hundred yards. And then for every hundred yards beyond that, it's a hash. Um, a lot of those scopes are kind of calibrated for that. And then, but you know, I, we'd have to work together on the whole minute of angle thing because I, I, I am clueless with that and yeah. we'd have to get a range to do that. It's really not that difficult because what you're, you're basically doing is even if you, if you don't think about it as a minute of angle thing, yeah, you're thinking about just as pluses and minuses. Yeah. How, how much to move your scope up at a certain range right yeah and it could be it could be one minute of angle but it, maybe your minute of angle is divided up into four clicks yeah so instead of saying a minute of angle you say you know four clicks it's four clicks up four if clicks it up. yeah so what would what we would do is get a what i did i can't find it but i had a laser ranger finder for yeah. for varmints and you know it was pretty good out to about five or six hundred yards right um, and then i would just know how far i was shooting and then because it's south dakota there's always like some crazy wind and mm -hmm. so you're walking the shots in it's it's rare that you're hitting a 600 yard shot on that small of a target in high right. wind so you you kind of walk it in that way and usually you get them on the second or third shot that way right um but and, and when you talk about your bigger caliber bullets the 30 the 30 caliber or you know upwards they're a lot less um the wind is, has a lot less effect on them mm -hmm. it still has some effect but not near as much yeah yeah but on those small ones you know and i was using um some bullets that were were more designed for that and we were crazy enough that we would shoot 10 shots and clean the barrel you know, yeah. clean it completely, take the bolt out and clean the whole thing. Um, and then, you know, resume, uh, because it, it, it did make a difference. The, that stupid little 209 Ruger round is fierce though, man, that, that reaches out 150 yards past what I was able to do, even with mm -hmm. 22, 250 mm -hmm. and 22, 250 is a hundred yards past 223. Yeah, yeah, I have never, I have never done that. I have a, uh, I have an AR upper uh -huh. that's made for sh for varmint. It's got a big bolt, like a twenty four inch bull barrel. It's a heavy as, yeah, unbelievably heavy barrel. And, uh, but I have never done that. I've always thought about putting a big scope on that and and going varmint hunting, but I've never, I have never messed with it. Yeah, I've I've got a Savage rifle with a big heavy laminated target stock and the the 26 inch bull barrel fully fluted and that's chambered in 223 i could rechamber it to something else but i'd rather just buy another rifle because the rifle wasn't that expensive they're they're crazy money now 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. I that that thing has been a tack driver the entire time I've had it. Um, we did. I didn't really have to do much to the trigger. I just lightened it a little bit. I didn't put a new trigger group on it or anything. Um, and I never hand loaded. Yeah. Uh, but my my cousin is absolutely insane. He hand loads and tunes the round to the gun and he's he's just over the top with it and i've i've shot his rifle and consistently shoot 150 to 200 yards further accurately with his than i do with mine that's a what is that that's a what his is a 209 ruger in the savage same same gun i have same exact gun i have but it's in 209 ruger so not so you're familiar with the savage rifle you're obviously uh you like the performance out of it. Why choose a Remington 700 over I'm, that? I'm also familiar with the Remington Model 700. Um, yeah. I've shot a Remington Model 700 30-06 a bunch of different times, and I liked it. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like the apple pie of rifles. See, uh, the only mm-hmm. other one I was thinking about getting was seeing if I could get a Mauser. Because Mauser makes rifles, mm-hmm. and they're fucking beautiful rifles. I mean, mm-hmm. they're gorgeous. Oh, there's... So there's yeah. so in the rifle in the rifle realm for uh, f- for hunting rounds, hunting caliber, mountain rifles, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of companies out there that make really nice rifles. Yeah. Um, CZ, yeah. Mauser, uh, Kimber, Seiko. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, they all make very very nice rifles. Yeah. Uh, Winchester, but the what people are starting to say right now is the Remingtons and the, the Remington factory and Winchester factory guns are not what they used to be. And so that's why a lot of these other companies are popping up Yeah, that their, their quality is so much better than everything else. Yeah. I want to check out the Mauser. The thing is, is I haven't ever handled one and trying to find a store that has one to be able to handle it is impossible. Yeah. You, you almost have to go to like a Cabela's. No, I've I've a, been Cabela's is they, fucking empty. They don't have them? Cabela's really? is empty. That there wasn't a. I I stopped at four different Cabela's on my trip out west, and not a single one of them had a thirty thirty. Like Cabela's gun gun shelves are just empty. You can buy like shotguns and a couple other things, but like they are run dry. Wow. Yeah, at least at the four I went to. And I went to a couple different Cabela's in Texas, you know, just all over the West. I went to them, and, like, they're just dry. So I maybe I'll look at a Mauser. I don't know. It's disappointing that the quality on the Remington 700 would have gone down because that's been, like, the standard workhorse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can get, like, a Mauser 98 Expert. Oh, those are nice looking rifles. Yeah, I told you they're gorgeous. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, and it's it's the same. It's the action that the Remington Seven Hundred is based off. You know, so I was I, I I was looking at those, but you know, trying to find one to handle is going to be a it's going to be a real challenge. I guess I have a year, but hmm. yeah, that's a those are sweethearts. Okay, you know. Oh, and the other. Go ahead. Oh, okay, so you know how you were saying the um, that Michigan has a stupid law regarding catalytic converters on your wood stove. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a better one that, 
a better stupid Michigan law. Okay, this one is just asinine. So this is on the same level. You remember back in 2007 when that congressman said that there were so many people in military bases and cars on Guam that he was afraid it would flip over? Right. It, this is on that level. <laughs> and, and I'm going to play a clip of him saying that because nobody's going to believe me. So I, I'll have to remember ah. to splice that clip in here. Look, this is a, uh island that at its widest level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore? And at its smallest level, uh, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very small is. island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about seven miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island, and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and capsize. So anyway, I bought a stove uh, on, when was it? Tuesday. I bought a stove. I bought the, the wolf stove that I wanted and I bought the hood. And she's like, well, you know, um, we're not supposed to sell this hood anymore. And I'm like, why? She's like, because it's too powerful. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, Michigan last year or a couple, however long ago, passed a law that you can't have a fan on a hood that puts out more than 400 cubic feet per minute. Um, what? Unless you get some damper system installed on your house. And I'm like, well, why? And she's like, well... They think that if you put out more than that, then air won't come into your house and it'll create negative pressure and your house will collapse, like on Wizard of Oz. And I'm <laughs> like, are you fucking crazy? And she's like, yeah, I know, it's retarded. And I'm like, yeah, like, how many windows did they lick before they passed that law? Anyway, so I, I said, fuck it, sell me the real one and I'll get the modifications done. Uh, so I'm getting the 1200 CPM <laughs> fan. <laughs> so, so just, a, uh, okay. So as crazy as that sounds, right. It's, it's probably possible. No, because like legit. It, that's a law. I looked it up. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not saying that the law is, I mean, the law seems goofy, sounds goofy on the surface. And I doubt very much that you could probably, that you could actually, collapse a house but i'll bet you that you could pull in a window well so my old one wasn't so, my old one wasn't you remember that hood that i yep, had i yep, i didn't yep. i didn't add anything extra to it so it was yeah. it i think it was probably around 600 cpm right and uh 
if I was light, if I had my wood stove and I was lighting my wood stove before it got super hot, uh, if I turned on that hood, it would pull the smoke out of the wood stove and up the right. up the well, hood. thinking is if you've got a house that is got electric heat and is airtight because you know that's what everybody you want a super efficient house you don't want any air leaks so you're putting uh, Tyvek some people are putting Visqueen you yeah know, sheathing their house with Visqueen sealing up all around their windows and doing everything like that I can see how uh, you could probably break the seals on a window. I don't know if you could <laughs> well, actually. I, I don't know if you could actually break the window, but I'll bet you you could. I'll bet you you could break a seal on a window. Well, here's here's the solution. If that becomes an issue, just crack the fucking window. Well, I I get it. No, I <laughs> right? Or just crack that. the door to no, the garage. You know, like. I understand that, but but it does sound it does sound funny. But I'll, I'll bet you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, when you have a. Um, when you have a tornado go by, what do they tell you to do? Open the windows. O- open your windows up. Yeah. Why do they do that? Because the pressure in the house is greater than the pressure outside. The yeah, house. it'll blow all the windows out. And it and it'll blow the windows out, suck them out, or or explode the house. Yeah, but come uh, on, a fucking hood for your stove. Well, how much? I mean, how these much people. Difference, okay, how much difference in air in air? Um, what would be the difference in air pressure between inside the house and outside when it when it goes? Tornado goes by. Uh, way more than a than a six hundred CPM thing. Well, and, I mean, what is that one one or two psi? Well, it's way more than that because it's going to psi. Well, I mean, when a tornado goes by, yeah, it's going to be insane. the The difference I mean, for, is going to be to not explode the house completely, so it's not going to hit it. It's going right. to go by it. Right. Yeah. The, for, but so so what does the what does the pressure on the outside of the house have to be? Compared to the inside, before the windows blow out, probably twenty. I I I'd guess your your twenty psi is probably pretty close to would probably be about 20, right, right? 20 pounds per square inch. I, I bet you're right on there, but I think a tornado is going to be way more than twenty psi difference if you have a tightly sealed house. But like, right. I don't I don't see it's possible to get there with a twelve hundred, you know, foot I mean, cubic I mean, foot per minute. Vent. P.S. P. 
PSIs are are are, are pretty amazing when you get a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I mean, if you think about, um, okay, so you're underwater, and you put a breath full of air in a bottle, and you're at 40 feet, and you seal up the bottle, and send it to the surface, it blows up, it explodes. Oh yeah, yeah, it would because the volume, you know, the pressure increases quite a bit. Yeah, well, that's it's different. Water is way different, you know. By but so, how many atmospheres of pressure are you under at 40 feet? Well, it, it's a lot. 30 feet, you're one. 30 feet, you're one atmosphere. You're two. Well, actually, you're one atmosphere below the the surface. Right. So that's uh, when you're at 60 feet, that's two atmospheres. And you're at 90 feet, that's three atmospheres. Right, and that's a huge difference. That's a yeah. lot of pressure because at the surface, it's 720 millimeters of mercury is, mm-hmm. is the normal pressure at the surface of the Earth. And if you triple that, imagine mm-hmm. that. I mean, so mm-hmm. you're, you're under massive pressure down there, and, and you'd mm-hmm. know that more than I do. But, um, but you know, the... the I don't know this but, whole but, thing, but air, but that air expands quite a bit on the way to the surface. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Well, I don't it would. Know. I, I'm not. Uh, I I would. I'm surprised that somebody actually took the time to write a law to, to, to fix that or to, to make that an issue. Um, well, it was probably probably someone in the heating and cooling industry wanted a bunch of retrofit jobs. Well, that could be too. because. Every house up in Traverse City that's a higher end house is putting in wolf stoves with hoods in them. Now, so here's a funny story. When we bought ours, you know, my house was nothing special in Traverse City. It was a normal people house. The guys that were coming to install it drove up and down the block like 10 times. And then finally Gretchen ran out and said, you're installing it here. And they looked at her like she was crazy. Then they walked into our kitchen and they're like, uh, yeah. You realize you're putting a Ferrari stove into a Pinto kitchen, right? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, but we're going to cook on it. And and he's like, yeah, you're the only people with this stove that ever do anything more than boil water. You know, <laughs> and so, you know. Well, come on, you have the caterer come in and cook on it. Well, yeah, if you're super rich or your chef could cook on it. Yeah. Some of those people have. In fact, one of my office girls now, her husband is a private chef for, yeah. for one family. So that exists. It's just, um, and I think a lot of them are trying to, I bet you it was some lobbying thing where some heating and cooling guy wanted to, you know, have forced business. That's usually what those things are. But you, but you think about it, you, you know, um, so the fire service has this thing called NFPA and all of these rules are, or standards, I guess they call them. They're not laws. But they're all, they all were written a certain, because somebody died. Doing something stupid. Doing something. Yeah. And, and they, they came up with a, with some, with a rule or a, um, a standard so that you would not, so more people wouldn't die. They used to say that they were written in blood. Yeah. Well. Um, and they were never, they're not, they're not a law, but they can be used as law in a court, in a court of law. So, like, if let's say if you're getting in a civil court, you're getting sued because you vi- because your department violated a certain standard, um, or you violated a certain standard 
and it was your your department's um, SOP. Yeah, completely defied that standard. While you you know typically the department's liable for whatever happened. Yeah, uh, because of it. Now, and I and I gotta believe a lot of OSHA laws are like that also, except for the vaccinated one, the vaccine one, that has no standard whatsoever. It's not based on any kind of fact, but but you would think a law like what what was passed in Michigan had to go through the House, had to go through the Senate, had to go through subcommittee, and somehow or another it got maybe it got attached to a bigger bill or something. Yeah, it was probably an amendment on something that they right. they had to pass, but, and everybody's like, "What the fuck is this?" Ah, whatever, just pass it. Yeah, exactly. You know. I mean that's I mean it does otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, at any rate, so now I'm going to have an outlaw stove. Yeah. I'm going to put a well, little skull and, and crossbones on it. It's going to be tight. <laughs> and you know, it's like the it's like I said the the catalytic converter thing. As long as you get a multi-fuel stove, it does it it's okay. Mhm. But if you get a wood stove, it has to have a catalytic converter on it. And you're like, "What? What?" What, how the hell did this even happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's some environmental wacko, you know, had something attached to something and decided that that was going to, you know, they needed something passed and that's that's what got in. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So I have, uh, you want a knife in the news? Yeah, give me a knife in the news. I need a knife in the news. I need a knife in somebody's forehead. <laughs> well, this one's good. <laughs> You're going to like this because we were just talking about this on the last podcast. And and here's there an article from um, three days ago, November 1st, on a site called Gear Patrol. There's a case knife for everyone on your gift list. And they're saying about all the nice things that Case makes. And they're showing all the different styles. They've got some modern folders. The Kinzua, I guess, the Marilla. There's all these different modern folders they have, but they're not showing the old school ones, unfortunately. Um, it looks like they're, yeah, a case modern EDC knife is what they're, yeah. what they're advocating. There's like, there's one that's like a Tonto, which I'm not super fond of. Uh, and then there's two just kind of looks like more spear point looking things. Those don't look bad. It's a flipper. Yeah, Marilla. Those don't mm-hmm. look too bad. I I mean, it's not what I would buy though. I like case knives for a different reason. Um so there's one. Uh here's another one from BBC News. A knife angel sculpture installed at Blackburn Cathedral. So there's this huge statue of an angel made out of knives. It looks ah. cool as hell. It's like 27 feet tall. Uh, it's on display until uh, the 29th of November. It's been dedicated to uh, victims of knife crime. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, in here, England. Here's, here's something that happened in uh, uh, Halloween. Okay. Sus- suspect arrested in Tokyo train Halloween knife attack oh. that injured at least 17 people. Japers, creepers. So he's been charged with. Uh, so this guy, seventy-year-old guy, seventy-year-old uh-huh. guy in critical condition. Um, I mean that's who, that's the kind of people he stabbed. At least one passenger, a man in his seventies, in critical condition, after being stabbed in the chest. 
So the guy that did the stabbing was 24 years old, and he was he's arrested for uh, suspicion of attempted murder. Um, he said the passengers were jumping out of out of windows. Um, I don't know. This is this is terrible. I can't even believe that people do this kind of stuff. He was wearing a purple suit and a bright green shirt, along with a purple tie, thinking he's like what the Joker. <laughs> hey, did you see that movie by the way? Which one? The Joker. No. It was really good. Um, I don't know. I liked it. It's uh, with starring uh, that guy that was in uh, Gladiator. Um, what's his name? Phoenix. Uh, oh, Rip, not River Phoenix. No, his brother, Joaquin. Joaquin no, Phoenix. I have not seen it. Yeah, it's really not good. I like that movie. Did you see the new Bond movie? No, I haven't. I want to see my, Dune. My mother, my 91-year-old mother went to see it. Yeah. The new, the brand new Bond movie that just came out. I don't even know what the name of it is. Does she like it? She, it she said... She loved it. Oh, good. She thought that was a really great movie, but she said she hated how it ended. Okay. Like, well, yeah, I remember she I'm said that. I'm not telling you. Yeah, that's when we were out at dinner, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to go see yeah, that. I'm not, I'm not telling you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. All right, I have another knife in the news. This is from Brooklyn. Uh, uh, a group no of, good can come from Brooklyn. A group of Asian men were mocked and then attacked in Brooklyn. Police say the attacker was walking by three men who were speaking Cantonese on a street in Bensonhurst's Tuesday night. The group of men, ages 51, 56, and 57, said he made fun of the way they spoke. The 56-year-old victim confronted him about it, and the attacker punched him in the face. The video then shows the attacker whipping out a knife and spraying the victims in the face with an unknown substance. <laughs> so there you go. So what's There's a knife a, in the news. What's a homophobic attack? I don't know. Santa Cruz man, County man suspected of a homophobic knife attack. What 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 is what is a homophobic knife attack? I'd have to you'd have to ask the author. I there's so many ways you could take that. Well, I, I don't depends on what is he calling his knife. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's so many ways to parse that out. <laughs> like, you know, like... <laughs> like, what? I, I, really? I mean, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different ways you could take that. Uh, without talking to the guy, I don't know what he's talking about. So then, so then you got this one. Police fatally shoot a man holding a knife in Van Nuys. Oh. So now, now just holding a knife is you're getting shot. Well, you know, uh, maybe he wasn't cutting his vegetables uh, in an efficient manner. Maybe they were offended by his technique. How about this? Hmm. Man in knife attack, after refusing to wear a mask, shot by police. So he was shot by police for what? Wearing an... Wearing a not wearing a mask? Well, I think he was or probably yeah. It was probably more the knife attack, and you and I both agree. Like, don't be waving a knife at me, dude. You're gonna get shot. Like, I. Yeah, that's just not a thing. You're not coming at me with a knife. So, did you see? Uh, Ford is now making an electric F one fifty, or about to. They got a concept truck out. 
the F-150 Luminator. It looks exactly like my 81 F-150. They're going retro on it. It looks, a, you know, it's exactly my F-150. I got to tell you, hmm. I, I, I cannot get my head wrapped around this whole idea that, that electric cars are going to be the answer to anything. Well, they're not. They're, they're not a solution to anything. I mean, no. Well, okay, so uh, there, there's, a, I mean, there's a big uh, article again, in Wired again, if today. An, if an alien was flying by and looked down on our planet right now, they'd go, what the heck is going on down there? The right. nuts are running the nut house. Well, where does the lithium come from? Where does the cobalt in your electric car come from? Where do all the rare minerals in that electric car come from? Where the hell does the electricity come from? <laughs> exactly, but but d let's d let's <laughs> you know, not even. I read an article. Let's not even an article count not too that. Long ago, I read I read an article not too long ago that said the our grid system in our country could not provide enough electricity to power all the cars if they were all electric. Well, there's no way in hell that that's going to happen. No. Well, and besides that, it. it I we're forgetting this really important part that's been kind of the the current proven science is that oil regenerates itself. Well, we've we've gone into that before. Um, but on on the on the subject again of of these electric cars, um, everybody thinks they're like so green. Why don't you look up the people who mine cobalt for you? They have to dig a hole in the ground and go down there. 20 of them die a week trying to get that shit out of there. And uh, they get paid pennies on the dollar of what the stuff is worth, if they get paid at all. Uh, and it totally wrecks the area that they're mining it out of. Same thing with lithium. Uh, why don't you look up how lithium mining takes place and tell me that that's better. You know, Isn't that like, nuts? I mean, it, to me, it's like totally crazy. right. They're just they're just changing one set of problems into a whole nother set of problems, and it, you know, at least at least the coal that's done and that's mined in the United States is done by people that are paid like more than a dollar a week to mine the damn coal. Oh, yeah, good money. You know, good money. Yeah, it, it, it was a it was a damn good job for a while. It, it, well, of course, it wasn't the best job. You, everybody should check out a movie called. Uh, the Molly Maguires starring uh, uh, my man, the first James Bond uh, Connery, Sean Connery. Oh, Sean Connery. Yeah. It's a great movie about the early days of the coal mines where they had like uh, um, coal mining towns. And then, you know, the whole concept of the factory store, you had to buy everything from the, the factory store. And by the time you were done with your week's wages, you owed them money. <laughs> you know, and you were base. They basically locked you into system. Well, that you know, the labor laws and things, and collective bargaining did away with all of that. And coal mining wasn't a bad job. There's a reason people didn't want to lose their coal mining job. You know, because it wasn't right. a bad job. But you know, talk. T tell me about the people mining your manganese or your cobalt in you know, Western Africa. In Central Africa, tell me about well, the, the conditions. Did you ever that see how they wreck in. ships? How they how they break ships in India? Tell us about it. 
about how they they drive them up on the shore and then they hook a big winch to them and they just keep pulling them up on shore and they have like a gazillion little kids. With yeah, just, just cutting shit apart. Just cutting shit apart. Yeah, getting burnt, it's, going blind. They, they look like ants. no welding yeah, masks. Got, no well, well yeah. and they they'll, they'll like cut a chunk of steel off of the off the ship, and if it falls to the ground and it kills somebody, well, oh well. Yeah, not sorry. A big deal. The next yeah. ship will come in and wash everything away. Yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. Well, right, and so like I mean, all they, these people, they, it's so bad that they the Russians got rid of some nuclear subs there yeah and they cut through it and they just you know cut through the reactor cut through everything <laughs> and they just made it all go away and they turned it into uh street castings Ugh. glow in the dark street class casting <laughs> well i i guess you know the issue you know, so, is is so like it, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna act like you're better than everyone for driving a hundred thousand dollar electric car uh, because it makes you a better person. Well, maybe you need to examine th- how that electric car came to be before you start right. fucking piping off, yeah. you know. And like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so so the uh, um, so we had that, and and this is why this is fresh. They just had that like, clean air summit or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, Glo- global warming <laughs> freaking summit. Yeah, eighty five. SUVs were hauling uh, the American contingent around. Well, and everybody that flew in there flew in on a they private jet. They all flew jet. in there. Yeah. Yeah, they all flew in there on, on private jets, you know. Uh, what a bunch of hypocrites. And notice who wasn't there. <sighs> Russia and China weren't there. I don't think India was there either. They could give a shit less. Hmm. You know, I mean, come on. Really? So we're going to be taxed to beat the band... And it, the only thing it has to do with anything else is to make us on par with with the employees of the the workers in China. Yeah. Well, so a lot of these developing countries like India and China and the other places that don't want to sign on to this kind of have a point, and that's that our economy and um, you know the Western powers that have been developed for a while developed using fossil fuels as the engine for that development, and now that we're developed. <laughs> you know. I'm not using it. I don't. I fossil. The term fossil fuel insults me. Okay, I don't sorry. Want it I, you're right. I understand. I okay. So I'll just say using coal and oil. There you go. As um as the engine of economic activity, they they kind of have a point. It's like we did it for a couple centuries, and now we're telling them not to do it. You know, and I I can't say that they're wrong about that. You know. No. Nope. But um, I think I also think it's uh, <laughs> all this stems from people. To be honest about this whole mess, you know where this comes from? California, <laughs> and the smog that's in California because they have so many cars out there in an environment that cannot replenish the air fast enough. Well, and, and so it just hangs there. And, and well, and stinks it's, it, up the place. it's because there's the sea and then there's a mountain range and everything right. stays there. It's it's right. it's it's because of the way the airflow works there. And then the other thing is, like, California is always going to have water problems, and it's because California is a fucking desert, and you're trying to live like it's the Midwest in the middle of a desert. I mean, Cal- Californians can't hold their water. Well, anyway. There's a there's a great um, Jack Nicholas movie 
um, called Chinatown about the. <laughs> do, have you ever seen that? Oh yeah. Yeah, that is a awesome movie, and the music, the soundtrack for it is just great. That's one of my favorite of all time movies. Is that um, is Chinatown, uh, but it's about you know kind of getting water into there and corruption and and stuff like that. I I really enjoyed that movie. It's an older movie. Um, yeah, and it you know the the whole the whole idea that that somehow or another me driving around in a car that's got batteries in it that you can't get rid of that nobody's thought of even how to get rid of them that have the possibility of of spontaneously exploding well they do too for no apparent reason (laughs) well it's you know those big lithium batteries in those cars they're usually the entire um wheelbase of the car it's right. a gigantic battery, and it's not just one battery. It's a ton of those rechargeable lithium batteries right. that are fragile. And if anything funny goes on, like they'll short out and have a problem. Um, you know, they're, if it's cold, well, you, they don't they don't run as well. It's like when you take your iPhone out in the cold. It's fully charged, but you have it in your outside coat pocket, and you go out skiing, it's going to be dead in like yep. five minutes because it just doesn't work in the cold. I mean, there's all kinds of problems and it might work for, you know, if you live in Southern California and you have to go 10 miles to work and back, you know, that maybe that makes sense for you, but it, it it's just not a solution for people that have so, to do anything. How, well, how, they can't even get enough trucks in California now to get <sighs> shit off the docks. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. It's, it's also the chassis, the, the it's called a chassis trailer to to be they don't have enough of those to to put the containers on and then you have to after you take the container away you have to empty the container and then you have to get bring it back so that it can be put on another ship you know and so there's bat I, it's just a, I read a big long article today by this guy that'd been a trucker in the ports for 20 years kind of explaining all of that it's and i don't see it being fixed no um, and then you and then you add the fact that california passed a law said that you know independent operators can't run their trucks in california yeah and now you can't have a truck any older than what is it 2011 yeah it's something like that it's 2011 or 2012 so there's those two things i mean it's just messed up um, and there's not a great solution to it because it it's not in the, the guy was saying that most trucking companies, unless they're dedicated port trucking companies, won't touch a shipping container with a hundred foot pole. Right. Cause you have to wait four hours to get into the port. Then you have to wait four hours in line to get your thing. And then you have to wait another four hours to get out. Yep. And most of these places don't pay you by the hour. They pay you by the load. Right. So you've you've just worked twelve hours without without any compensation, you know, right. and so it's just um, it's it's so, really complicated. So now you're gonna know why our great grandmothers saved their aluminum foil <laughs> Pretty and washed much. it out. Yeah. So you better start washing out your Ziploc bags, people. Yeah. You go to any country in the world, and they're not throwing away their plastic bottles. They save that shit. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's for stealing gas. That well, yeah, and hate. Oh, so, 
<laughs> so there was a there was a there's a gas shortage in Haiti, right? Uh, and what so what they do is they take like any kind of a bottle, like a juice bottle or a, a water bottle or whatever, and they go to the pump and they fill that up. Uh, and then pretty soon the pumps are all dry and you have to drive along the street and there'll be a guy there with like 20 of these little bottles and he sells them at a markup. <laughs> I think I think we should invent, I think somebody, I'm not going to do it. I think somebody should invent a car seat that you, that, um, that collects flatus. Yeah. And then, and then, um, everybody and goes then to Taco Bell before a long motor. trip. Yeah. Well, yeah. not Taco Bell because they, what's wrong because with they that? can get solid because it can be, that turns into like a shark instead of a, a true gas. I mean, oh. I'm thinking more like the refried bean thing. Yeah. But Taco you know, Bell like, refried bean burrito. Yeah. Two best menu items on Taco Bell are their refried bean burrito and their cheesy bean and rice burrito. And it's not even so close. You can't even get I don't understand I would never wait an hour in line at a Taco Bell to get that. No. I have never been bound up that hard that I needed to eat a Taco Bell burrito that I would wait an hour. I would go get X-Lax if I had Well, there's a problem. there's a Taco Bell by you in the north, exactly. north part of... Exactly, and it's an hour-long drive. Oh. I mean, it's an hour-long wait to get in. Oh, and that's crazy. This whole this whole thing that's been going on for the past couple of years, we drive by and go, you want Taco Bell? And we laugh because there's a freaking line that's 40 cars deep. Yeah, it's they don't have enough people. In front of Taco people. Bell. Yeah. Maybe somebody already invented that chair thing. Yeah, probably. The, the flatest collector... Well, so FC. So if you if you notice, I it, I guess it, it probably depends on where in the country you are, but a lot of fast food restaurants don't even offer dine-in service anymore. It's all drive-up because they don't have the the staff to be able to to wipe the tables down as if they yeah. wipe the tables down much to start with. Well, yeah, and then yeah, but and I, then I people mean, if they're in the store go, and even regular, even their regular. T- uh, it's not cheap food anymore. No. I mean, none of it. I mean, for God's sakes, when you're going to, you go to a restaurant that's just, I mean, I, our Applebee's up, not that I went there, but our Applebee's closed up here. Our, um, our pizza hut in Petoskey closed. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else closed up here. I don't know. I mean, it just, well, they can't, they can't get they staff. They can't compete. And then they can't get staff and they can't get stuff to 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 make the food and the the I mean everything is so expensive now nobody wants to go out and Yeah. I mean if you go to a grocery store and you buy enough for a meal it's it's the same price as like 2 3 years ago that you would go out and get a fancy meal for that. Although now I do have to tell you um I shot, you know, in the meat meat department, they have the end caps and they usually have their specials in there. Yeah. Today I bought a whole pork butt for eight bucks. Oh, that's a good deal. Yeah. So I bought two of them. I put one in the freezer and then I cut up half of one and I'm making carnitas burritos tonight and I'm saving the other half of that to smoke it. But so, yeah, yeah but hey. if you watch the end caps, you'll get good deals but you you know you kind of have to be flexible with what you want to eat yeah like i got a huge thing of chicken butts 
from Meyer one time and it was $3 and it was like 15 pounds of meat. Yeah. You know, but you, you have to be flexible in what you're going to do. Um, and just Can you still buy chicken stuff. feet? Can you chicken buy chicken feet? feet at Meyer? Yeah. I've never seen them in Meyer. I've seen them in Chinese grocery stores, but never at Meyer. You can buy chicken butts. I buy the shit out of those. No. Yeah, because that everybody, if you don't know, chicken thigh is seriously it's the best meat. A bone-in skin-on chicken thigh you can buy for two chicken butts for a dollar would be expensive, and like it's 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 every bit as good as breast meat, but it's juicier. You know, it's not like dark, nasty meat like you're thinking. It's it's good, good solid meat, and it's juicy and it's tasty and it's cheap. Um, people should look into that. <laughs> it's not a, it's not cheaper than liver sausage. No. Okay. So we should probably get into this. This is a whole nother thing. Well, okay. so what, what kind of knife do you cut your liver sausage with? I don't. <laughs> I do. Right. So I, I'm in a little hot water because I said liver worst isn't for me. Right. <laughs> it just isn't because when I was a kid, my mom used to buy liver worst and I think hers was in a red plastic tube. Probably. And she would, uh, she had like white bread and she would just slice off a couple hunks of that and put it on white bread and eat it as a sandwich. And I think she made me eat one one time and I threw up. Yeah. And if you're a little kid and you eat something and throw up, you're never going to eat it again. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if what it was caused you to throw up or you just coincidentally happened to yeah. be sick at the time. Like you'll never eat it again. If you give this a shot. You'll you'll probably like it, mm. which would be oh you got a call no just a text from the office. I need it. You need no, it. I don't. It, they're just All reminding right. me of a start time. So uh, if you um, if you get some liver sausage, get some Kogel liver sausage, like I, I and and put some sweet pickle relish with it, and put it on a cracker. I think you'll be surprised. I, I'm not saying it's going to be bad, you know, because like I, I just there's a mental block thing. Yeah. And I I took a ton of heat for that. Um, but, you know, you, I'm sorry. Do you, like, I just, do you like regular pate? No. No, you're not. A, you're yeah. Not and a I don't guy. I eat I don't eat foie gras. I don't eat any of that. And the foie gras thing is because I know how that's made. Right. And it's the same reason I don't eat veal. Um, there's a limit to what I think you should put an animal through. Yeah. Um, They're made for us to abuse. Well, I have a different opinion about that. Um, They don't take any more abuse than, uh, you know, a lot of the slaves that we employ here. (laughs) Well, (laughs) anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to touch that one. I'm just kidding. Um, But there's a, you know, there's a, I, I understand that we're carnivores and we should eat we eat meat and I eat meat, but I would prefer that things are as humane as possible. And both veal and foie gras cross a line for me. Um, and I'm not going to explain to people what, what that is. You, you kind of have to see for yourself how that's all made. And I, it's just crossing a line. Um, and I, it's, I don't know. Anyway, um, so then we got talking, I was talking to Jim about it because I was getting beat up uh, for not like, not 
liking liverwurst and i said well you know and somehow the subject of uh pizza came up (laughs) (laughs) and so i think we i think i think i can safely revisit this subject now without (laughs) without going in whole cat five so uh so 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 the 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 part that was funny about that was was what kathy had posted what she had written what she told me to write or she said she she basically said it i guess yeah because i was reading her that text (laughs) she started laughing she's like no way (laughs) yeah i said you know it's not like we're arguing about deep dish pizza here (laughs) (laughs) so there's a i was involved in a rather famous argument uh in the (laughs) knife journal podcast world about deep dish pizza you know, oh and, my lord! It was the funniest thing right, ever. Right, and I'm I'm kind of a live and let live guy when it comes to just about everything. If you don't like something I like, awesome. You know, if you like something different, fine. And in my opinion, there isn't a bad deep dish pizza unless it's poorly made. But if you get a good deep dish pizza, awesome, more power to you. And somebody asked me what my favorite deep dish is, and I said, uh, Gino's. And Gino's is um, a downtown um, Chicago <laughs> restaurant that's right, literally right across the street from the hospital where I was born and the hospital where I went to medical school. So it's a downtown Chicago thing. And it, Gino's and Uno's were the first, you know, and so it, that's the original Chicago style pizza. And uh, so I like that one because it's where I, you know, it's, it's the one that I have the most experience with. And I... I just like it. And so someone says, uh, well, the best is Lou Malnati's. And I'm like, well, I like Lou Malnati's too. Yeah, but it's the best. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's if, if you like it and you think it's the best, okay. She's like, no, it is the best. And like, I had to agree somehow. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I already told you I like Lou Malnati's, um, but I like Gino's better. And she just would not fucking leave me well, alone about what, it. What? What? When and it so went, no. When it went I, real south. When it went really south was. That's not Chicago pizza. It's Chicago suburb pizza, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is accurate. Lou Malnati's is from the fucking suburbs. It's from fucking Naperville. Okay, like if you if you grew up eating Lou Malnati's, thinking you were eating. Chicago deep dish you weren't you were eating Chicago suburb deep dish and there's nothing wrong with it it's good pizza you know so I finally it's just not city pizza right it's just not Chicago pizza it's Naperville pizza you know and, and like you know, it's like, you know I, and I wouldn't have said like, it I wouldn't have said it like I what I don't care like I said I like that pizza too but I and I wouldn't have even said anything but this suburb person was acting like I didn't have a right to my opinion on what I thought was a good deep dish because <laughs> her being from the suburbs made her more of an authority than somebody who's from the city. You know, so, like that's so what is, aggravated this argument, me. This argument is like the city guy, the city cousin and the country, the farmer cousin. <laughs> right. And pissing on the electric fence. Right. It's it's it was just a <laughs> stupid argument it was just so dumb and because i i already said i like them both you know well it almost ended up in a punching match. no it didn't i would never hit oh, a yeah. woman that would have been, oh quit yeah. it 
We'd have watched. We'd have watched that. You'd have bloodied up pretty bad. I would not hit a. I would never engage in a physical confrontation with a woman. It's just not something I do. Um, I don't but know. Over, but no, Andy like kind of thought that you might. No, but what? <laughs> I I mean, it's not that I disagree that it's a good pizza. It's that I didn't have a right to my opinion on what I thought was a good pizza because right. I wasn't from Naperville. Right. Fuck Naperville. Isn't, and fuck isn't the Chicago Naperville suburbs. Where, isn't Naperville <laughs> a place where they uh, they banned handgun ammo? Everything is banned in Illinois. There's a there's a two year wait for your FOID card to be able to purchase any kind of ammo and it's they're supposedly they're rectifying it but anyway you know there's a great there's actually a great uh knife shop downtown chicago right by the sears uh yeah that that one is awesome i'm i'm trying to think of what the name of it is it's they're they're a randall dealer yeah and they they, sell randall knives in there yeah and they have really high-end um slip joints that like uh the one that i have is the hannon rooster's I bought a whole bunch of those there. Yeah, that's a yep. great store. I really like that uh, one. What the hell is the name of it? Huh. I can't even think of it, but it's really funny because it's... I I happened to cross it one of my trips down there, and I was like, whoa, check this out. So I guess probably because you, you can't get a gun there legally. You have to defend yourself with a freaking Bowie knife. Mm-hmm. funny yeah but it's uh i really liked the um i i that's a nice knife shop i mean chicago is a nice city as long as you don't have kids and as long as you've got a bunch of money um where you can no you know what you can i i enjoy the times i've spent down there Mm -hmm. you know i uh the restaurants are always really good um i i don't think i've ever had a bad meal down there Mm mm-hmm in 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 the downtown area i mean i i like the navy pier um i i went to that uh what the hell is the name of that that little diner that was on saturday night live back in the day Uh, back in the in the 70s pete uh uh cheeseburger 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 yeah 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 i i forget we kathy and i went there i can't think of the name of that place but um, saw the last one of the times we were down there. We saw the last time River Dance was played down there, and we we uh, they gave me literally a twelve ounce glass of scotch that was like a quarter of an inch from the top. Dude, so you were hammered. I was. It was. It was the funniest shit. So, uh, it was the, the last night, and apparently the they must have rented the theater or something because they were running the bar and they they had to get rid of all the booze. Oh, I suppose, yeah. And uh, she poured me. A, I said, "I'll you know I'd like a uh, a double," and she's like, "Well, I'm going to charge you for a single, and I'm going to give you this glass. I'm filling it up because we got to get rid of this, and Scotch is not a big seller here." <laughs> Kathy looked at me and just started laughing. Yeah, dude. Uh, I, I guess we're like, taking a cab. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were walking. We we ended up walking. It was it was uh that was during um. I think it was we were down there during uh, um. 
St. Patty's Day. Oh, I God. Think it was, I think it was that weekend. Oh, you got to stay a, away was, from there. <laughs> it was an incredibly gorgeous weekend. And our hotel room overlooked the river, the Chicago River, where they painted it green. Yeah. And so we literally watched them do that. Yeah, that's cool and, when they uh, do that. Yeah, it was, we had a good time. You know, ate well. And I'll tell you what, and I did get hammered. Oh, oh. Yeah, they have good corned beef and cabbage there on St. Patty's yep. Day. Every bar has yep. a pot of it. You can get it. It's yep. good. I like it. And then we had, uh, we had, uh, I think we had, pa- I think it was Paisano's Pizza. Yeah. Um, that was right by the theater. And we loaded up on pizza because I was so hammered. Yeah, that'll take the edge off for you. Just, and drink a yep. lot of water. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was so funny. But yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of good times down there and, and I've never felt, unsafe in the in like the downtown area yeah Um, now now i'm not sure that you would feel that safe well there was a time in the winter you're going to be fine um but there was it was when rama manual was in there they kind of let things slide and uh they'd be groups of people run through and mug a bunch of people and steal their shit right on the miracle mile but that's not really happening anymore they they put the the screws to that well, I, I remember i remember back in when we were going down there quite a bit i mean it seems like they made a conscious effort to to keep the downtown area safe yeah and they're doing you know, that big, they're doing that big, again now big police presence and yeah well I, i'm wondering if they are because i know in new york city they're not well chicago is chicago's a little different they do things on the sly they might not talk about it, but like it was when Rahm Emanuel was in there, they they stopped all of that, and then people just weren't going to Chicago anymore. Right. And now it's, I mean, it's pretty damn safe downtown there by the water tower, and basically in that Miracle Mile, you're you're pretty safe because if anybody tries any shit there, they're going to get clubbed in the head. Yeah. Uh, really damn fast. When so that's where my medical school was, and. I'd, I'd occasionally go out for uh, a few beverages. Of course, I always got Diet Coke. with my medical school buddies and uh you know the bars would close and it'd be about two o'clock in the morning and one of them seemed to always act a f- fool and yeah. the the cops diet coke will do that to you well i i was just fine because i was drinking diet coke i just had to pee a lot and i almost got public urination but i ah. didn't because i didn't pee in public um but i was thinking about it and there was a cop right there and uh, I didn't do it. But anyway, my friend, like, lipped off to a Chicago cop. And nice. he's damn lucky he didn't get his head split because it was about to happen. You know, but I just, I collared him and threw him in a cab and got the hell out of there before it escalated. But it's, you know, like, they're, they're not having any shit out of you at all down there. At least they weren't when Daly was running the show. And then, 
uh, Rahm Emanuel was there and they had a bunch of stuff where people were getting mugged and their iPhones stolen and then people wouldn't go there anymore so then they cracked down on that again. Um, the thing I like to do and in Chicago is I like the Field Museum. Oh yeah. Yeah, and the Museum of Science and Industry is cool and so is the Shedd Aquarium. Um, so you know who I, bought all that? Who? Al Capone. Yeah, well, he did something good for the city, at least. Yeah. You know, yep. so I, you're you're really safe there. We used to, when we lived in, uh, last year, we used to go down there every couple weeks and go to those museums and, you know, park right by the museum, get there at 9, right when it opens, and there's plenty of parking. We'd go through the, the German, museum. The German U-boat is really cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, we'd go there and go to the museums and then have lunch at a little taco truck outside there that was really good mm-hmm. okay so i have a so you you uh knife nuts that have uh children uh this is something you don't know about that your kids are into and it's nefarious ah! okay i'm gonna tell you what it is because i discovered this we went to uh we went to this taco truck and i got my three chicken tinga tacos and the girls got their tacos, and then they wanted to get a bag of these things called Takis. T-A-K-I-S. And I'm like, what the hell are Takis? And they're like, you can't have any, Dad. And so I snuck one, and they're delicious. They're like little rolled-up tortilla chips that are super-duper spicy and hot, and they're really good. And I just loved them. And they're like, you can't have those, blah, blah. You know, it's like a kid thing. They don't want their parents having them, apparently. At least mine don't. <laughs> And then so I went to the store to buy them, and they they have them in the store, but they're, like, hidden. They're not in a place where you would ever look for them, but the kids know where they are. You know, if you send they're your in kid the, in, they can come out with them, but if you try to go find them on the your hub, own. Are they in the Hubba Bubba section? No, it's, like, in some weird part of the store where you would never expect it, and um, I don't know. So uh, everybody, I'm issuing an alert Takis are delicious, and it's a nefarious thing that your kids are hiding from you. <laughs> okay, I have another recommendation for a weird food. Uh, I tell you what, I was skeptical. And you know how I am. Like, I'm skeptical about stuff. I need to have it first. I had some of those Chester Cheeto mac and cheeses. It's mac and cheese, but it's with the Cheetos cheese sauce. It huh. was fabulous. Uh, and so I bought a couple boxes and my daughter... What, my, what's, what's the name of it? It's Cheetos. Cheetos Mac and Cheese. Huh. So it's made like... By, is it, but made by Cheetos. Cheetos. Oh, it's made by Cheetos. Yeah, but it's uh, it's like the Kraft Mac and Cheese in the box, but it's made by Cheetos. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I bought a box and I ate it with my daughter and we were just like, oh my God don't tell your sisters because <laughs> I had one more box. And then I went like five more times to the store trying to find more to resupply us. Uh, and then I finally found a few more boxes. But like, if you haven't tried it, at least give it a shot. I thought it was okay. really good. Cheetos. Cheetos mac and cheese. All right. Cheetos mac and cheese. You got to try it. If, you, if you're into that sort of fast boxed mac and I, cheese I, as a side to like a burger or something, you know. I, I love mac and cheese. Yeah, me too. Well, the, Russian food. Yeah, you got to try this stuff. Um, you may or may not like it. I, I thought it was really good. I really liked it. Um, 
What else you got? Um, I'm looking up mac and cheese right now. Oh, I'll set it. I'll set it aside. Um, well, let's see. I swapped out the battery. My my wife's um, MacBook. She's got one of those little baby MacBooks, and I thought I was going to do it on this thing. Well, guess what? No, not going to happen. <laughs> I the her, she's got a MacBook Air, mm-hmm. and it was super simple. It literally was un, unplug one thing, unscrew. They gave you the screwdrivers because they're weird screws. Mm-hmm. It took me like 15 minutes yeah. to do it. So that, well, I got a speaker problem with this thing. I got to change. And and uh, I thought, well, after take, doing hers, it'll be uber simple to, to do mine. <clears throat> Flip mine over. No. No, you got to take everything out of the chassis to change the battery. Everything. And it's like the Wi-Fi wires, the antenna wire, which is like the size of a, a human hair, a braided human hair that's like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Three strands of, you know, you got to take all that apart. You got to undo this, unglue that, unfold this, take this rubber cap off, take these minute little screws out. And they're all different. Yeah, and then getting it back together is... And then getting it yeah. back together and then having it work is a different story. Yeah, I did a screen on an iPad, and it was a major pain in the ass. And I got an extra year out of the iPad. But it was yeah. it was very challenging, and I had my surgical loops on. So I was seeing yeah, you have, it... You have to. I was seeing it two-and-a-half power magnification, and I have surgeon's hands. Yeah. Which is different than your hands. And... You know, like my hands. My hands are manly. Right, but in, in terms of <laughs> fine motor control, like yeah. it's a very different set of hands and brain. Right. That goes with right. it. Um, no. But the uh, what? What? A whole different brain. Yes, because if you use your hands in certain ways, your brain changes. Your brain remaps. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's a known thing. So, like, you know, all those. Uh, I spent an entire summer one time doing little rat heart transplants. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine. Uh, and so you saved a bunch of rats. No, I was testing an anti-rejection drug at, oh. at Northwestern, um, but mm-hmm. uh, it didn't work. Um, so what you're telling me is you killed a bunch of rats. Oh, I killed hundreds of them. Uh, and you have a problem with pate? I, I anesthetized <laughs> them first, doctor. They were anesthetized. Oh, so you think that you think that those ducks feel something? I absolutely do. Oh, yeah. I I'm not going to go into it. I I'm not of this big animal rights nut job guy, uh, but I just don't. There's something about it that rubs me the wrong way, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And if if people want to figure out what I'm talking about, they they can go do that on their own. I'm not going to beat people over the head with it. They can Google that shit. A Google that shit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the weird thing is, and this happens to stroke people, like if you lose function on a stroke, part of getting that function back is your brain has to remap around the damaged tissue. And, you know, a lot of people recover full function, but you really have to work at it. And so people that do lots and lots of fine motor stuff, like the guys that put together your iPad and stuff, their brain is totally different than yours. Well, they're is. little kids. Well, some of them are, but there's also adults doing it too. 
Um, they gotta have <clears throat> tiny little fingers. No, they don't. It's I don't have tiny little fingers, and I do um, microsurgery. But it's um, it's it's one of those things. Uh, your brain remaps for it, and uh, mm. yeah, it's it's fascinating. I read a book on it once, and it was it's really a, a neat topic to go into. Um, <laughs> Let's see, I have a user question. Uh, Scott asks, I'd be interested in hearing a discussion on ULUs, particularly for the camper woodsman, if you haven't discussed this one yet. I have a return credit with KOA and have been thinking about picking up their ULU. Am I saying that right, ULU or ULU? ULU, I think. ULU, okay, so I, I mean, I don't have any experience with them except... <coughs> That's a that's a pretty damn proven knife design, right? I mean, last time when I was uh, I was uh, slaughtering walrus, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and whale blubber, it, it was very very effective uh, in using to you know, and and clubbing seals. We were using that to skin the <laughs> chunk them up, the club yeah. seals, <laughs> yeah, and then chopping the little pieces up and frying them. They were very very tasty. Um, <laughs> You, you got to club them, though, to save that seal skin. Exactly. Yeah. You're not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't penetrate to, the seal skin, so you can't shoot exactly. them. You just got to club them. Exactly. And you can't. And that's why you, you use a ulu to, to, to skin them so that you you don't have a point. Yeah. That you can, that you, can you know, make a mistake and, and, and cut the. I have no idea how they do that. But um, but I think that I, I'm, I'm not sure that it's a good bushcraft knife because as I as I remember it, uh, Eskimos don't have a whole lot of stuff to bushcraft with. Snow. Snow. So <laughs> but they really... use long knives for that to cut their uh, igloo yeah. blocks out of snow. Right, right. Or just long so, pieces so of something. What, yeah, what they're, Deer so what they're basically using that for is, is I, I always thought that that's what it was for, was for... Um, uh, Butchering seal. Yeah, chunking up blubber cutting, and stuff. You know, chunking up blubber and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you're, I don't, if you were thinking that you're going to use that in the woods for, um, I, I would say don't waste your money. But if you're going to use it in the kitchen. Yeah, like cutting meat and such. Cutting meat and, and uh, I mean, I'm even sure that you could probably be handy for cutting vegetables and stuff. Oh, yeah. Enough. But but I don't think, I don't think the, the regular ooze are, I don't think they're real thin because I don't think they're made for cutting. Yeah, they're usually pretty thick. Yeah. And it, and it is one one of those things about that bushcraft people tend to want to do is they want to use something else to do what 
instead of using a knife that was kind of designed to live in the woods with, they want to use something that's like, I want a machete. I, I want a machete to, to bushcraft with. <laughs> well, you, that's not what it's for. I don't care. It's for cutting grasses. I want, it <laughs> I want it thicker. I want it thicker and, and shorter. Uh, you want a machete that looks like a, a like a field knife? A Bowie knife. <laughs> like, like a Kephart knife? Yeah. Is that what you want? Yeah. Okay. Well, so so the yeah. So if you, I know you've been in Haiti the same as I have, and they use machetes for fucking everything there. Oh, all those countries do. Yeah, and I can tell you, all across South America, they build shelters. They do absolutely everything with machetes, but they're dealing with different wood than most of these people are. (laughs) They're not. They're not dealing with ten-inch ash trees. (laughs) <laughs> or oak, or oak, or or maple, or these big hardwoods, you know, and and they're not going after big stuff. They 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 go after small stuff, and they make a a structure that is adequate out of smaller timber. And, and you know, after they after they get they get sick after they chop somebody up with one of those things, <laughs> they're all pissed off because they got to fix the edges. <laughs> Oh, that some of those machetes are pretty baller, though. Made out of ten ninety five, the Tramontina ones. Yeah, those that's good steel. I've got a. Yeah. I bought one when I was in Haiti. Yeah, but, they're, but they're but they're soft. They're not hard like hard like a knife is. No, nah. softer than that. Well, I'd have to I'd have to put one into my RC tester, but the, it's hardened steel. Yeah, but it's what I'm saying is it's not like it's not like sixty Rockwell. I'd have it's probably I'd have like to look forty. It's probably like like fifty. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to test it. I I don't have any basis of and I'm and I'm, of and I'm pretty sure that. that after they've been like, like moving them around the fire all the time and yeah yeah you know poking them in and out, they're softening them up quite a bit. But yeah, well, the, but no that the, but, go ahead. Well, the other cool thing um, when you're going through uh, jungle in South America is uh, being able to sharpen those is somewhat of a task. And so you'll go to a little village and there'll be like one piece of sandstone that looks like it's been hollowed out like a bowl. And it's because they there's sandstone, I guess, is, must be pretty hard to find there. And so there'll be one rock that, that everybody in the village uses to sharpen the tip of their machete. And they're, they're really just sharpening the, the distal, you know, six, eight inches of the machete in the first place because that's right, what they... Right hit stuff with but that that was really cool seeing those rocks that have been used for generations and and all of that so so read that question again was it he was was he asking if that would be a good no he was he was asking no no he was not asking that he was asking if he was just asking us to discuss them and i i think we've discussed them i mean i i don't own an ulu but i i have relatives that own them that like them in the kitchen yeah. Like Jim was and that, saying. And that's what I was getting at, was it? Yeah. I think as a kitchen tool, they're probably pretty good. They actually make they actually make bowls and cutting boards that they use those for chopping. Okay. And I've, I've even seen double ulus. Ooh. Ulu ulu. Yeah. What what do you call that? Ulus? No. Ulu ulu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have Ulu a, squared. Ulu squared, anyway. I, I have a pastry cutter that's like four of them put together, but it's there a pastry go. cutter. <laughs> well, and I think you could probably... I, I think that there are... Uh, yeah, I was going to say um, dough cutters for uh, yeah. pasta. Yeah. Pasta dough cutters like that, too, <clears throat> for making uh, 
squares. Yeah. But you know, it, but if you're if you're wanting one because you want to use it to do something else with, I would say they're you're probably not going to be happy with the. I mean, I don't yeah. even know what else you would use in the use them in the woods for. Like a pretty specialized piece of equipment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's based on a a a, a culture and a particular lifestyle, and it works for them. Right. right. Um, and it, it it has applications for us, but I don't know. Like, get one and try it. I mean, what's the harm? Yeah. If, especially if yeah. you have a credit, just buy it and try it and see if you like it. If you don't, you know, no harm done. Give it to your kid. Right. You know let them play with it um it's like i'm thinking about a, a new razor i'm thinking i'm gonna get a grants force <laughs> and you know they're felling axe i'm gonna how what do you think about how it would use as a razor <laughs> he was not <laughs> asking that question don't beat I the know. guy up he was asking know, what you know we think many, about him but but you know how many times i get asked questions like that yeah i know hey what do you think about that how do you think this would work well it probably really worked well for them <laughs> but I'm not sure it would work, you know. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, the other cool thing about machetes is um, every country you go to favors a slightly different style. Right. And so I brought one back. I'll have to show you uh, from um, Haiti, and it's more of like a scimitar style. It's like 18 inches long, and it's got a real tall blade. It's like a scimitar. So, uh, did you see the one I brought back from uh, from Puerto Rico? Mm-mm. Um, that was uh, that was the uh, thug of choice, uh, the weapon of choice of the thugs that were. Out there. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I've got I've got I brought one back. Oh, cool. And, uh, I'm gonna I'm thinking about slicing the turkey with it this year. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking so of which, you'll, uh, you'll see it when you come up, listeners. I am making the gravy this year again. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Oh yeah, we're gonna. I got uh. I went a little bit crazy. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to cook, but I have four turkeys. Oh, wow. But I don't think I'm going to cook four turkeys. I think I'm going to, I might cook three. You should put one I'm in a smoker. Don't you have a master well, belt? Yep. I've got a good smoker. I'm thinking about deep frying one of them. Yeah, I'll bring up uh, the deep fryer. I have all oh, of that. Deep fryer? Yeah, I have, I have all of that. I'll bring that up okay. if you got a propane to hook up to it. Yep. Yep. You got to remind okay. me that like the day before and I'll, how, I'll bring how, that up. How long does it actually take to make one? Maybe an hour. Deep frying it? Yeah. If okay. yeah, I mean it it could be a little longer, but it's it's way faster than trying to do it in an oven. Yeah. It's quick. Um so I'll bring if you remind me the day before, I'll bring that up. All right. Um I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I've never I've never done one in the in the uh smoker. It's a, and it's kind of kicking that It's idea. the it's the best way. That is my is it really? yeah. It is my favorite turkey. Is a smoked turkey, and all you huh. have to do is put the turkey in there and brush it with butter every once in a while. Really, and I I would do it at like two seventy five ish. Start it in the morning, and it it, it again it, in the smoker it cooks faster than I think it would, uh, and it ends up perfectly browned, and that smoked turkey is the best damn turkey you'll ever have. I I mean it's my method of choice. Hmm. Yeah, if you've got a smoker that'll handle it and maintain, you know, a nice even 275, just put it in there six hours before you think you're going to need it. And if it finishes early, you just wrap it. Um, and man, that's good. Just make sure. So is it, 
Does it fall off the bone? No, it's it's like a regular turkey, and everybody yeah. thinks it's gonna be dry. It's not. It's juicy, yeah. juicy turkey, and you just you just cook it to one seventy, uh, and every so often brush it with melted butter, and that's literally all you have to do. And it the skin is crispy and perfect. Uh, you know, I'm sure our uh, our listeners have their favorite way of doing it too. You can always yeah. send that stuff in. We're always game. Right. And you know, and it's funny too because I've been using ro- these roaster pans forever. Yeah. Um, I got I got one for my one grandma, and then I got one for my other grandma. And each of them weighs like a hundred pounds. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're yeah they're and they're not the ones you can buy today. No, the ones no. you buy today are nowhere near the size of these. And things. nowhere near the quality either. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And uh, so these are like from the fifties and yeah, and, and I don't know that, and they and the turkeys that come out of there are they i think they do cook a little faster than in an oven mm-hmm. for some reason i don't know because it's why. a smaller space yeah it must be and the, yeah. the, the heat is less probably less heat loss fo- yep it's yeah. more focused on the turkey and it does actually i think there's a lot of steam involved yeah and they're juicy as hell in yeah, there they're juicy and and if you leave them in there they they never go bad, but if you leave them in there too long, they literally fall off the bone. Yeah, I know. So we'll have to watch that. Just make sure once they get to 170, you take them out and wrap them. Yeah. Um, yeah. They. Uh, the only really thing funny. is you don't really, because there's a lot of steam involved, you don't really get the browning on the skin as right. much. But, right. You but, have to use a torch. But with the, um, with the fryer and the smoker, you will get the brown browning, and it'll look like you know, the classic 1950s turkey. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, the other thing I like to do with my turkeys is I like to make, um, what do you call that when you make a butter, uh, like, um, yeah, it's a name. There's an, I think it's a French name. Is it a roulette? Roulette? Roulade? Roulade? Where you take butter and you mix it with herbs. Mm-hmm. And it's softened. It's not. It's not liquid. Yeah. But it's softened, and then you put it underneath. You make pockets. Yeah, underneath, underneath the, the skin. skin. Yeah, there's a there's a special name for that because it's when it's cooked in fat, it yeah. ends up with a tote. There's a, somebody will know. I just heard this term this morning, and I've already forgotten it because carnitas is kind of yeah. done that way. Carnitas is cooked yeah. in fat purely. Yeah. It's um. There's a specific. I'm gonna look that up. There's a specific French cooking term for that. Um, meat cooked in in its own fat. It's confit, C O N F I T. Okay. Yeah, and it's so, it's great. Yeah, and so I do that with the with the turkeys in those roasters. Yeah. And so you have like a buttered herb between the skin and the and the meat. Yeah, and they are and good. It really does make a huge difference. Yeah, they're really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's... so I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do that. And so in the in the smoker, you put a pan underneath it and catch the, the drippings off it. Uh, yeah, or you no? just catch. Yeah, you just I just put something underneath it just to make sure it doesn't mess your smoker up like a cookie sheet right. or something. Uh, and you know you could put a um, you could put like a small Dutch oven in there with a little liquid in there if you were worried. But seriously, you don't it you don't have to worry about it drying out. It just won't. You know, especially if you brush it with the butter every now and again, it seals it in and crisps it up. Yeah. It's it's really good. Uh, that's that's my favorite kind of turkey. 
So we're so we're probably going to step out this year and do that a little bit. I guess we got 21 people coming. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's a that's a horde of people. <laughs> yeah. Because there's five of us, you know. Yep. Yep. Is your yep. is your dog going to be drugged? No, we're. Taking or is he going to be kenneled? Okay. Yep, we're going to take him to a kennel. All right. So yeah, 21 people. Wow. So we're yeah. gonna have fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. We're gonna have fun. So I had to make sure we got enough turkey. Mm-hmm. So they say it's a. It's a what is it a pound, per person, I think. I yeah, there's know. there's all kinds of formulas, but your your family will eat superhuman amounts of turkey and gravy. <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's yeah. scary. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous scary. how much and then, they eat. And then, and then afterwards, everybody's passed out. Yeah, all over the, everywhere. They watch the lions and they bitch about it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, and usually I'm just kind of chilling on the couch or whatever. Yeah. I'll bring my scalloped I'll, corn. I'll probably have to have. Uh, uh, I'll probably have to get a bunch of cots out. Yeah. Be stacking people up like cordwood. Yeah. Everybody's gonna be passed out. We'll have to get. Um, Although people tend to sky out of there pretty quick. Yeah. At your house, they like eat and they're like. <laughs> well, a lot of them go hunting. Yeah. Take off and go hunting. I got to talk to um, Ben. He, yeah. He's the custom cabinets guy, right? Yep. I might have a job for him if he wants it. And it'll pay better than his work. He's spread thin, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I know, but like if I book it and, a year out and he does it over a weekend. So he uh so he he works with a company up here. They just uh they just made cabinets for uh their little house. Okay. And they really came out beautiful. Yeah. But Yeah, we can talk about it when you come up. Yeah, I was thinking that cuz we we were we're sourcing contractors and stuff to do. There's just a little bit like we've got a granite countertop that needs cut back, which is no big deal. But then one cabinet and one set of drawers is going to have to go away to make room for the stove and the hood. Yeah. And then there's we have to do a new backsplash and I mean there's some slight modifications that need to be done, but you know, it's one of the the thing I is the cabinets. I'd kind of like those to turn out nice, but um, anyway, that's all I know. That's all you know, huh? Yeah, no, it's uh, National Dad Makes Dinner Day. Well, legit, and so huh. I I'm making uh, a confit actually, uh, carnitas. <laughs> Are you cooking it right? Oh, you know yeah. what? When you get a chance, remember that uh, that. That um, salsa that you made. Yeah, the green one. Yeah. Send me the recipe. Okay, I'm just going to say it on the podcast. Ah, okay. Hang on, I got to write it down. You'll be able to. Um, It's real simple. You buy a can of tomatillos. Right. It's in the Mexican aisle, and it's in your store right by you at Olson's. It's in my cabinet right now. Yep, you buy some chipotle peppers in the sauce. Yep. Okay, you drain the tomatillos, you put those in a food processor or blender, and you right. put one or two chipotle peppers in there, Right. and That's it. buy some cilantro, and pinch off some cilantro, however much you think you're going to want, wash it, and chuck it in there, and blend it. That's it. And leave it a little bit chunky. That's literally, that's all it is. All right. Yeah, it's my famous tomatillo salsa. 
uh, for yeah. our listeners at home. Give that a I, shot. And, and and it's funny because it does taste like there's a lot more going on. Yeah. And I've got I've got a can of peppers. I've got a can of tomatillos in the uh, in the in the pantry right now. At least one. Yeah. And uh, I look at it and I say I'm going to make that. And I was like, God, how I don't remember how to do that. All you need so to do stupid. is go to that corner grocery store of yours and get some cilantro then, because you're set. Uh, yep. Yep. And then serve it with some chips. I like it on yep. uh, tacos, on just about anything, but it's best eaten by itself with chips. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's my famous uh, tomatillo salsa. Yep, and it is good. If you hadn't tried it, try it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm thinking about making, actually making the turkey out of liver sausage. Oh god, why me? <laughs> <laughs> why me? Here, you're beating. I mean, now people are gonna beat me up about the foie gras thing, the freaking so, veal thing. So, I, I just keep. Putting my foot back squarely in my damn mouth. You saw what happened. Let me alone. Go ahead, let me alone. Let me be, will you? So, so come on. You got to admit that that Kogel uh, chili sauce is really oh, good. Oh, God. Okay, people, I have another recommendation, <laughs> but you're going to have to be in Michigan. And it's actually, so you're going to think chili sauce, it's going to be in a can. No. It's in a red tube next to the hot dogs in the in the refrigerated case. And you put that stuff in a saucepan. I added a little water to kind of reconstitute it and then cooked it until the water was gone. And I put that on the hot dog. I put the hot dog in the bun. Uh, and then I put a squirt of mustard. Then I put the chili. Then I put some diced onions that had been soaking in water for a while to kind of take that oniony bite off of them. It's fantastic. I mean, there's no reason for me to make chili sauce when that stuff is right around the corner in the grocery store for me. It's amazing yeah, how good it is. It is it is top quality. You know that 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 did you know that that's where those dogs those so so they call them Coney Islands. They're not. They're from Detroit. But they're from Detroit. Yep. Absolutely positively it's a Detroit thing and fight me. Fight me, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Exactly. You want to know where the Reuben is from? Where? Omaha, Nebraska. It's ah. been proven. Yeah. Fight me. <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks that Coney's are and Reubens are from New York, and they're not. Yep. They're from yep. Omaha, Nebraska, and Detroit. I got a fascinating thing for you. Okay. You know how they talk about regional pizzas? Everybody's got a regional pizza, and every and and it used to be that people from New York really their pizza had a different taste than anybody else's pizza, and everybody thought it was the way they made the dough, the 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 guy sweating into it, or there was some reason why it had a different taste to it. Well, the original 
pizza deck ovens were heated with coal. Yeah, coal, Grimaldi's. Yeah, I, and, I researched and, this. And it and does coal, taste different. <laughs> it, it does taste different. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you... Uh, and it's kind of funny because I don't even know if there's any coal ovens out Gr- there. Grimaldi's. They still, yeah. they still do it? Suppose, the last time I checked, Grimaldi's was still doing it that way. And that's the original one. Yeah. And it's and it's funny because the deck ovens were just and with coal, I guess the the, the ovens get hotter. Oh yeah, really quickly. And it's like you get a wood like a wood fired pizza, the 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 ovens get hotter than uh than a regular yeah, it's gas nine hundred nine hundred degrees. Oven. Yeah. Right. And uh and so the same with the coal ovens are the same way. The coal ovens I think get hotter. Yeah, I mean you could you could literally melt steel in one of those things. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's a different thing. Not. So modern day, there's probably one or two places left that still have the cold coal ovens. Um, but most New York pizza is made in 600 degree deck ovens. And yeah. there's really and nothing you know special about it, you know. It, it's good. I, so here, so here's what's good about it. They use whole milk mozzarella. They yeah. use a good sauce and they have a good dough recipe. And they care about making it right. That's what's good about it. And it's made in a... Yep. No, other than that, nothing special. And they don't use the rollers, cutters. They use no. A big it's knife. usually their hand, usually their hand. Yeah, and usually their hand that, tossed. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I ha- I have yeah. one of those cutters. It's like a giant Yulu <laughs> or Ulu. Right. <laughs> that's like, what you can it's use. It's actually your, like a machete with two handles. Yeah, that's what you can use your Ulu for. <laughs> Get a really huge one and cut pizza with it. I I have yeah. one actually. I bought one of those because I. Yep. I, I really got into that style of pizza for a while, and I can make a really good New York-style pizza, but, you know, I don't have a coal oven. I actually was looking at, uh, they, you can get a little deck oven, that, a little wooden yeah. fired deck. those are cool. Uh, yeah. For outside, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I always thought that that'd be kind of a cool well, idea. Well, I, I had one for my Weber grill, an, a thing that fit on top of the Weber grill and you used your Weber grill as the as where you burnt your wood and that thing made great pizza so you're gonna laugh I made one uh, a while back just to see if we would use it uh-huh. and I used it quite a bit I made it out of a flue a yeah flue. you showed me that <laughs> a big a big chimney flue and fire brick and uh, you build a fire underneath the, the and um, the fire went up uh, underneath the, the deck, up the back, and out the front. Yeah. And I'm gonna tell you what, it made some awesome pizza. And I haven't I haven't gotten one of those ovens yet, but I want to get one. Okay, sometime you and I, if I'm up there during the summer, we should take a road trip. You know the pictured rocks. Oh yeah. There's a town right that you have to pass through to get to the pictured rocks and that's it and it's right Right. by the ferry to go and see all of that well there's a park there and they have a brick wood-fired pizza oven that's free for you to use in a in a municipal park like that's what i want i i i used to fantasize about bringing some wood and bringing some dough and going up there and just making a have a big pizza feed in that park but it's Hmm. awesome i took a picture of it when i was up there and i always meant to get back up there but sometime that'd be something to do oh yeah i'm in yeah i'm in yeah uh there's a there's a lot to do up in that area anyway i but um before i went to haiti i was planning on doing a camping trip up in the porcupine mountains 
Right. Because there's backpack sites where you can backpack in and stay on a right. lake up in the Porcupine Mountains. Right. But I, I instead I ended up going to Haiti. Uh, and, so, uh, um, so this is kind of funny because the the uh, fort in Mackinac has a giant brick oven, outside oven for. They used to use a. Um, it was kind of like a community oven thing. Yeah. Like one place made all the bread for the yeah. for the fort. Yeah. And and uh, a lot of these historic places will have something like that. Yeah. And they'll actually have people in costume making stuff. Yeah. In Michigan, you're not allowed to. They're not allowed to have anybody eat the stuff that they're making. Yeah, but even though they're of, making it yeah. just as it was made back when. You can go to Wisconsin and you can eat their food. You can go to Washington D.C. and Yeah, it's and, the food uh, food purity laws here is a deal. Yeah, so you can't you know because they don't have the right hygienic Listen, you take a piece of you take bread and you cook it in a 500 degree oven. There's no bacteria going to live. Yeah. Well, you know, it, so you're going to laugh. Okay, so I went when I was in San Antonio buying that rifle. I went to the Alamo and they ha- they had a communal bakery like that that they've recently uncovered and are now restoring mm-hmm. but it's closed off so I couldn't get back in there um but so I went on the Alamo tour and uh we went through the whole tour and I said uh when are you going to show us the basement <laughs> cuz of Pee Wee Herman <laughs> <laughs> Okay are there any questions Where's the basement? Excuse me? Aren't we going to see the basement? (laughs) There's no basement at the Alamo. (laughs) 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 This fortune teller told him his bike was in the basement of the Alamo, and they did not think it was funny at all. (laughs) Apparently, they've heard that one before. Oh, multiple times probably. <laughs> At like every day somebody says yeah. that. <laughs> yep, that's funny. But I did, Um, it, it was uh, the oak tree. There's one, there's a big live oak that's in the courtyard of the Alamo that wasn't there during the time of the Alamo, but a guy brought it in in 1906. Uh, and it was an experiment to see if you could get a live oak to grow there. And it grew, and it's huge. And so I have seven. I, I collected seven acorns from that live oak. Oh, but cool. but up this north, you can't get them to grow outside. So I was thinking I would grow them, grow it outside during the summer, and then move it inside during the winter, and just what, keep it, it small. Is it a variety that won't grow up here? Because we have it's, oak trees. Well, I know, but this is a different. If if it gets below freezing, they die. It's not oh. it's not the right kind of tree. Um, but they, yeah, they're, they're different. You, you, you can't get away with it up here. In fact, I, I don't, there's a bunch of different oaks that won't grow up here because of the freeze thaw in the winter. And that's, that's one of them. But I was thinking I'd grow one and bonsai it because the leaves on even a a giant live oak are small and it'd be, it'd be, it'd make a really neat bonsai. Sounds cool. Yeah. You know, I, I do that. I've done that since the early nineties. You saw a couple of my bonsais. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We didn't kill any of them either, did no, we? No, you didn't. I was surprised. It was you said you'd accidentally murder them, but no, I got everything back. It's all alive. There's a little bit of damage on that evergreen bonsai, but it's it'll be fine. In the spring, I'll just shake it and the dead stuff will fall off. But uh other than that, 
Well, I suppose I better finish my dinner here. Yeah, and I got some stuff I got to do yet today, and uh, we're not shoveling a lot of snow yet. We got about an inch on the ground. It's supposed to be 50 degrees on Saturday. Nice. So uh, we still got a lot of time left. Yeah. Before the snow gets too deep. Yeah. I don't have the not putting the snowblower on until uh, I have at least at least six inches of snow and no possibility it's going to melt off. Yeah. Okay. So I I did get a snowman update and it has to do with Pee Wee Herman. Ah. He. He's got his bicycle. No. He. Uh. His truck broke down in the middle of the desert. Oh. And he was walking along, and Large Marge picked him up. stretch of road in a dense fog just like this I saw the worst accident I ever seen shut up <laughs> yeah large Marge <laughs> you remember from Pee Wee yeah that's funny yeah no he's so she had that she had that uh, handle did she yeah no he was he was I asked him if it was large Marge and he said oh. no because he probably hears that 10 times a day too but it, yeah. uh, he was well, out I in thought... an area with no cell signal and he took a week off and he likes to record them from his truck so he can do the honk honk yeah. but one of those is coming and I asked him to specifically comment on the supply chain thing because he would know oh, oh yeah. yeah definitely But uh... alright people we're going to call it quits for today and uh, we're going to go about our regular business, monkey business, any kind of yep. other business that we might have to take care of. Right. Other than other than this business. Yeah. So um, don't give Kyle the business about Braunschweigers. <laughs> I've apologized, for God's sakes. and He's really sorry. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's actually was crying the other day. Leave me alone, will you? Leave me be. Enough. You saw what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't be, don't bully him. Why me? Respect why his, me? Respect why did it have position. to be me? Why me? Why me? Why did it have to be me? <laughs> yeah. That pitcher from the 1950s <laughs> that pitched the shot heard round the world. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's the greatest interview. Yep. <laughs> I can never get, I never get tired of listening to that mope. <laughs> What is uh, OG? Oh, it's a game, a big um, board game. You see this thing that's moving around up there, the swinging thing. Oh, that that's cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's a perpetual. Well, there's motion a battery machine. in it, and there's magnets in the end of the generator. sticks, and it when it swings around, it just hits the magnet and then goes, keeps going. To, to power the electromagnet. Well, what are the batteries for? So there's an electromagnet in it that when another magnet hits it, it'll oh. move it. 
Yeah. Now. Ah, so it needs. So it's really not a perpetual motion. It's yeah, all monkey based business. On it's called uh, for people at home. It's called the swinging sticks. And if you do any kind of live streaming or anything, having something like that in the background is freaking mesmerizing. <laughs> people can't stop looking at it. <laughs> it's like on it's like on the jerk when when he had that thing uh, in between their funny. eyes and they couldn't stop and they all ended up cross-eyed. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, I was um did I was you, describing a watch that? this patient had a big torn off tip of their nose. And I was describing the surgery to do it where you have to take a part of the forehead, leave it attached to an artery and swing it down, but you have to leave it attached. And they're like, well, there's going to be a thing there. And I'm like, yeah, have you seen the movie The Jerk? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, it's exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's going to hold your glasses on. <laughs> yeah. It's going to hold it's your glasses on. It's called a flap. That's funny. Flap. Uh, flap. A glabella All right, we, flap. well, you got to tell them. All right. Flap. Yep. Everybody... Just uh, just keep on keeping on. Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Stay out of trouble. Bye. If you don't, call us. <laughs>